Alright, so welcome to another Broken English Podcast. You're listening to Hugo. And you are listening to Bola. Yeah, I didn't call action or anything, so Bola didn't quite realise <laughs> it was time to start. We'll, um, figure this, we'll figure this out someday, folks. So what we're going to do on this one is we're going to talk about a film that we're working on called The Eternal Sleep. Now, The Eternal Sleep was written over the course of a few years, um, and I started it mainly based around the question of when people, when a doctor addresses a family or a friend and says something along the lines of, it's all right, they passed away in their sleep, they didn't feel any pain, that sort of thing. I extrapolated that and had some curiosities as to what the dream world could mean and whether we could continue going after life uh, in the sleeping state, whether that actually happened to be another realm. Now, there are a bunch of different ways in which I wanted to try and see how the film would play itself out, whether it would play itself out in exploring those other realms and things like that. But as it turned out, the final screenplay didn't end up touching on that particular world whatsoever. The actual story revolves around a neuroscientist in New York and it seeks to see brain activity in a particular region once a person passes away. Now Bowler's read the story a couple of times and he's familiar with it so I'm curious as to what his thoughts are about it. The, 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 the basic, I mean, you're, it seems like you're still trying to answer that question in the screenplay that is, can somebody still exist beyond those states, right? Right. Yeah. I got, to me, it's kind of I was reading it from, it was, seems like a spiritual, I guess what you'd call a spiritual question. Um, I think it's a, it's a very, it's a very philosophical question in terms of like, what is, is it exactly to be alive in this? I mean, I can also ask the question, I can also kind of make the point that this could also be a dream too. It could be. Right. It could kind be. That's how I look at I it. I mean, I'm I'm not certain that it is, <laughs> but I mean, well, I'm, I'm so, just just reading the script to me. It's just it, the the question. It it seemed to me it, it seemed to be about that question of what is it, what is this exactly? Yeah, I mean that that played a role to a degree, I suppose. It was it was basically the idea that we all fantasize and think about afterlives and things like that. And we all sort of try and explain this state that we enter into in a, on a nightly basis, which is sleep. When we sleep, most people tend to dream. Uh, some people dream in just black and white. Some people dream in colour. But we tend to also go through, firstly, the several phases of entering sleep. Mm -hmm. And then the different ways in which we dream and the different stories that we experience and we go through. When, when one person wakes up in the morning, they may remember their dream vividly, they may forget their dream instantly. Yeah. And it's what they experience there. I mean, my girlfriend has the weirdest dreams that you could ever contemplate. And I think the one of the main reasons for that is because she watches a lot of horror films and things along those lines. And I believe the waking state influences the yeah. dream state. 
Definitely. Yeah, I know. That's definitely important because obviously what you're, ex what you're experiencing in these dreams are things that you've just um, have absorbed into your subconscious in the waking, the quote-unquote waking state. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to dreams, I your guess is as good as mine so in terms of what exactly it is. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. I definitely have bizarre dreams too, right? And then the things that have just come up and it's like, whoa, what, what was that all about? Do you find that when you dream you actually... Um, retain a lot of it when you wake up or not? I can ret I can retain a, a lot of it when I wake up. But like anybody else, if I don't focus on it consciously or even write it down, it's going to disappear. Some things will linger on. Like I had a dream a couple of days ago about my late father. Mm -hmm. And that, that lingers on for me. Mm -hmm. Now the details have faded, but I remember it was a dream about my dad. Mm -hmm. He was in it. That's kind of all I kind of... Everything else seems to be a fuzzy at this point, mm -hmm. but that was just something because I consciously remember, I consciously paid more attention to it than any other dream. Mm -hmm. Do you find that when you dream, it tends to be in a manner which is quote unquote down to earth, like uh, a fairly mundane type of situation, or do you find that you have a lot more of uh, extreme and fantasy based things? Um, you know. The the reason I cite that is when I say she has these horror things, I'm on about like a horror film, you yeah, know, I just have those too. really tragic things happening in something which you could not refer to as a real life scenario. The majority of mine tend to be rooted a lot more in reality. I, yeah, I think I'm a mixture of both because I have those, yeah, more down to earth, kind of more normal, quote unquote normal scenarios. And then yeah, I've always then I have a, a lot of scenarios where I'm being chased by ninjas and giant robots or something like that. And I'm curious what influences these sorts of things because the thing is, is what, I mean, you saying that immediately what springs at me is you have an affinity for Japanese culture. Is you have watched a lot of anime? No, actually, yeah, but you know what. I can't even, no, that was just like, for the ninjas and the robots things was just an example. Mm -hmm. um, even though I have an affinity for those kinds of things, for my dreams, like I said, a lot of stuff that just comes out is just, um, I don't know if it's influenced by many of that stuff. It just seems to be random kind of um, survival scenarios mm -hmm. or... just <laughs> maybe I should look at my I used to write these things down but whatever comes up seems to be just random in the sense that I don't even know what triggered this because it'll just be something that will come up and I'm like I don't remember being anything anywhere near any of this kind of things or thinking about any kind any anything like this or having any kind of experience like this recently so to me, it's just like, it's kind of, it's fascinating, you know, where does this come from? Why this, mm -hmm. like, why does this pop up? Because I know this wasn't in my, this wasn't in my realm in the last little while. I mean, it's interesting when you explore the dream world and actually find more about sleep and how reliant we are um, of this area of our lives that we truly do not understand fully. Yeah. Like, if you look at it from a neurological perspective... There have been so many studies and scientists that have tried to delve into a complete understanding of how the brain works while we dream. 
what exactly we are experiencing and where it comes from, whether it is yeah. something from the subconscious or not. Good luck with that. <laughs> well, but, but that's a major pursuit that we all tend to yeah. be curious about. Different religions, sorry, different uh, cultures see things differently, but they all have things which align with the dream state. Um, sleep paralysis is a big one. I mean, I think yeah. in, uh, I forget whether it's... Nigeria or another neighboring country that refers to sleep paralysis as the Popabawa. I don't know if you've heard of that or not, but the Popabawa is also referred to in, I believe, China as ghost depression, Japan as the Kanishibari or Kanashibiri. I forget which of the two it is. But basically, what it is is when you experience sleep paralysis, which you know what sleep paralysis yeah, is. Yeah, right? yeah. When you experience that, they say it's a presence. Yeah, that's that's been my experience with it. It feels like, and it's kind of interesting that all of these cultures kind of put it in a framework of some sort of demonic thing. Right. Because that's what it felt like to me when I first had it. Right. Or and the first few times I've had it. I've had it, I think, twice in the past month. Wow. Um, which is really weird and debilitating. I've had this one experience. Well, the first one was kind of simple, and then the second one was a lot more uh, traumatic, whereby I was in my room, and I could see the room perfectly. And when I mean perfectly, I'm on about, just as we can see the coffee cup and the glass of water here, um, I could see that there from the position on the bed. Right. So I could see with a very vivid form everything around me. Of course, my eyes are completely closed. <laughs> and then I'm seeing the room around me and I'm struggling to try and... I know this is a dream, but yeah. I cannot get out of it. I'm struggling to make a sound, but I cannot do anything about it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But I never have um, dreams... I never have a continuation of a dream. I never have a repetitive dream. And I did have this same thing play out approximately two weeks later, except it was more impactful because, again, I'm seeing everything perfectly. I'm aware that I'm dreaming. And, again, I don't usually vividly dream. Um, and I'm trying to struggle my way out of it. And then in the dream, I struggled my way to get out of the bed and sort of get onto the floor and right. try and move towards the door to try and escape this. And, uh, yeah, eventually woke up. And then you got sort of the, the exhalation what the hell did I just experience? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I can't think of any, there's probably only a few terrifying moments in my life and that would probably be one of them. Like, the, that that sleep paralysis. And there's always a visual thing, component to it. Because mm -hmm. you're probably halfway in a dream or something. Mm -hmm. And halfway awake and then it's like, then you have this the whole paralysis that just makes it even freakier. I mean, I had the, I had that too, but it was basically, uh, the visual I had was just felt like there was something, uh, I don't know, there was like a light around me that was holding me down. And then it, it, it always had this demonic quality to it. So, but, I don't know, the question is, what is it? I don't know. I mean, what it, it seems, it definitely is a physiological thing. Mm -hmm. Something's going on there. And I think I triggered mine because I took too much melatonin. Mm -hmm. So, or it was my first time with melatonin or something, and maybe it took a bit much. But I, I mean, to me, it just always say about like a physiological thing going on there. What causes it? What's the meaning of it? Who knows? I think it just seems to be physio physiological components out of sync in the wake when you're waking up. 
Well, I mean, and that's that's what makes that entire world so fascinating to me, and that's where the story came from. I mean, you're you're exploring the dream world, or I mean, the dream, or this the aspect of dreaming. Yeah, it's. I mean, as it's a mixture between the dream world, what happens, and uh, euthanasia in the story. Because it is to do with these people that voluntarily are offering themselves to be seen afterwards to see whether passing away in their sleep. Yeah, that's right. They can still continue to live in this other state. Um, so they're kind of trying to want to perform something for the greater good of humanity while exploring this. The, I just think when if somebody's watching something like this, there's going to be having two schools of people. The strict materialist and then the non-strict materialist. Okay. I'm probably, I look at this from a non-strict materialist point of view. I mean, it, it does, it does raise a good, it does raise a quite good question. What, can you live in that state? I kind of don't, I just don't really see, um, I don't know because, like I said, what exactly is do we think is going on, even in the waking state? Because I think the waking state and the dream state are just other continuums. Well, it's interesting. Of one thing. It's interesting because, of course, we require sleep. We require a lot of sleep. Yeah. If you don't get the right amount of REM, you aren't functioning optimally in your brain. Right. It's as simple as that. Definitely. But I don't have to dream. You don't have to dream which is what makes it interesting um which is why this the film tries to explore a particular point of view from from the doctor the neuroscientist there Jacqueline Walsh which is let's try and see whether these things are able to be replicated and whether we can prove that there is something that goes on afterwards and that requires its own uh, clinical trials and investigation there because you do have situations where we know people hallucinate if they don't get sleep yeah. people like sleep deprivation it is bad it's awful yeah you die if you, if you don't have sleep uh, within how many how many days or something it's it's a long period of time but you you can start hallucinating after I believe and again this is just a belief I believe it's like two days awake is when you start going through things and it depends on the person when it starts to kick in to what degree. But they've had people, there have been studies where people have been awake for 48 hours yeah. and then they go into these hallucinogenic states. Um, God, their, their functionality is absolutely useless. They can retain nothing. I would never do that to myself because <laughs> I've just observed myself countless times with just... 20, without 24 hours sleep. Right. And I'm just like a hot mess. Well, also it does, it causes brain damage. Yeah. Sleep deprivation causes actual brain damage. Yeah, because it's a, it's a death penalty. It's a death sentence, uh, sleep deprivation, in the terms of if you don't sleep. Well, and it's it's a torture tool. Yeah. I, I, like I just, I've known, I just have a lot of days where I wouldn't, I, for some reason I would not get sleep and mm -hmm. I'll just be up and I'll be like, one of those days and even through those it was just kind of torturous i'm like if this goes on for like another day it'll just be hell 
I mean, it's hellish right now, but I'm just like, I'm trying to imagine one more, another 24 hours of this would just be, <laughs> I don't know what they would Well, and that's, that's the problem with the film industry as well. Because while oh, I love God. it, it's taxing. Yeah. I mean, people often, uh, those that aren't involved in the industry itself, they don't realize how grueling the hours can be. If you're working a five day week and you're doing 18 hour days for those five days, and then you have to think about any sort of a commute to and from your home. Forget it, buddy. I mean, they say the turnaround is meant to be 10 hours, but if it takes you an hour to get one way and an hour to get another way, and you have a family or you have anything to take care of at home, yeah. it still needs to get done. A week on set can be hard. Oh, I know. I've been there. <laughs> Therefore, it's just, you want everyone to be as optimal as possible, and the sleep deprivation really plays just such a major role. As I say, the main focus with the story was to try and showcase a somewhat... I don't know if I'd want to describe her as power mad, but just someone so deluded in their hypothesis. Some, some, yeah, somebody who's obsessed with like this, this uh, with a notion. Yeah. And I get that. I get her why... I do get to... I get why this character is like that, because when you're obsessed with something that revolutionary, mm -hmm. or this kind of notion that's a very... That could change everything. I mean, yeah, you get obsessive about obsessive about it. And so, yeah, it was it was just a sort of thing whereby I thought the ideal place to put it would be New York. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to have the interweaving of the subway, the city as, that never sleeps. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> and I also wanted to have the subway being a symbol of the just going in and out of areas and awake and asleep, whether you're on the train, whether you're not on the train. And so, as I say, that's been... But I love movies that dive into these concepts of the dream world. It, I believe the screenplay works on an angle which hasn't yet been tackled. Because I haven't seen anywhere else people posit what happens if you, if you die in your sleep, if you yeah. die when you're dreaming, can you stay there? Do you stay there? Do you stay there? That's a good question, I mean... Because none of us but, will know. But then who, it's like, but then who or what is there? Because the body's going to die, right? But well, if you're saying you're there, then who's, what's there? Precisely. Which so, is the curiosity that matters. For me as a non-materialist, strict materialist, I say there's something going on there that, you, that something is beyond the body that's there. Yeah, there's an inexplicable thing to do with these things. I mean, um, my parents' cat died a few weeks ago. Uh, well, actually, about a month ago. And we saw her on her descent. And she was, you know, completely there one day. And then just the breathing slowing and everything. And just eventually she passed away. But um, there is something palpable in terms of the energy. Where you could feel someone's moved. Something is no longer present. Right. There was a presence. A yeah, certain presence. indefinable presence there. Yeah. That's fading away. Precisely. Yeah. And I think what's important um, with film and with this particular film uh, that we're referencing here is to communicate the idea of dialogue and knowledge and thought. Right. So, for example, with The Eternal Sleep, what I'm wanting people to take away from it is thinking about these things and thinking about the dream world and trying to just broaden conversation on the matter. Well, I thought 
it's kind of funny because I'm writing something about dreams right now too, but um, it's on another, another uh, spectrum of it. It's like dreams blend, blending into the real world and a, and a character not knowing if they're dreaming or not. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it, that, that subject is a very, very, very good topic because you could go so many places with it. Right. There's so many areas to cover. Uh, you, you saw Inception. Mm -hmm. I think more, a lot of people who probably listened to this saw, saw that. I mean, there's so many places you can go with dreams. I mean, and it is one of those mysteries. It's it's a surreal thing, um, which which is why I wanted to discuss it. Which is why I find the area so fascinating because I do not dream the same way I know that other people do because I do not experience dreams the same way others do. You you say you don't experience it the same way other people do because the, the because of the content. Of yeah, I think a lot of people probably have this. Why? Well, like, plenty of people I've spoken to, you know, they see dragons and stupid things. Yeah. <laughs> Things that I would never ever dream of or conceive in my mind, they see in their mind's eye. Do you have a link? Do you feel like there's a link to your dreams to something that's going on? No. There's 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 just no thread. There's rarely anything I could. Same here. It's, to me, there's just no common. This like like I said, it's like what the fuck was that? It's kind of like I wake up and it's like, um. Th that being said, I. I do remember something very once before having a very powerful effect, a dream having a very, very profound effect on me. This was like in uh, grade school and I had this, I, you know, there was like a classmate. I mean, never really thought much of her. And then I had a dream of the, about her one day and I fell in love with her in that dream. And then when I woke up, I was like, I had those feelings now about her. And this is something I, this was somebody I never even looked at twice. Right. And then all of a sudden. It's, it's amazing how some dreams as well have the effect that you just described because they can have a carry on effect into reality. That I don't know if you've had dreams whereby you've been angry or someone's done something to you in a dream and you wake up and you're like, what the fuck did you do that for? Yeah. In your feelings. Of yeah. course you're not like yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. But you examine it and you're just like, that, what, that wasn't real. And it really, really felt it. So now you're having to convince yourself what you know, which is you dreamt that. That was a dream. But it, yeah. Yeah. It, it's one of those weird... To let go of that feeling. Yep. Yeah. So there is that weird, inexplicable subconscious link that you have. I bet you're going to have some weird dreams tonight. <laughs> Just because after talking about this. You may well. <laughs> but I mean... I just, I find that area so fascinating because they say every night you do dream approximately four times in a typical sleep cycle because you'll go from uh, your body slowing down, eventually your breathing regulating itself to then hopefully reaching REM to then going out of REM and going in and out. And it's just, it's a pattern and a passage. And with that, supposedly there's different stories being told. Um, which makes it all the more fascinating. Four times, jeez. Okay. I mean, we do need to sleep. I have a regular sleep pattern, so I might you have an irregular. You said. Well, it's just like I just I just cannot fall asleep before two a.m. It just doesn't seem to be happening. Well, I mean, like there's so there are so many different. 
they always say that having a consistent circadian rhythm is important. Uh-huh. So having a consistent time when you wake and a, as consistent as possible time when you fall asleep really does promote health. Yeah. And your body operating in a certain form. Right. But what's interesting as well is uh, when you take things a step further to exploring other worlds and you look at the difference between hallucinogenics and the sleep world itself and where you're connecting to when your mind's eye comes up with these different things. Right. Well, this is why I say that there might be some continuation here because isn't it the notion that when you're sleeping, your your, your brain releases dimethyltryptamine, right? I'm not certain. I believe that was... That might be just... That, that I also, that could be just something that a lot of people like to throw out there, but it hasn't been corroborated. But I kept hearing that. From a lot, of, from a lot of things that I was listening to, that your belief, your brain is releasing dimethyltryptamine. Now, if you know anybody knows about DMT, how it's a powerful psychedelic, right? But it's a, it's 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 also um, in, uh, what is this? It's, it's it's also something a chemical in your own body. So it's not some it's not some sort of foreign agent. Your body produces it. So there could be a link there between what's going on there when you smoke DMT and you have some outer world experience, and then what's going on in the dream world. Because mm-hmm. there seems to be some sort of parallel going on there. Mm-hmm. It's just one is just has the dial really turned up, and the other one is just a little bit more subdued. Mm-hmm. I, I think what you're seeing, what you're seeing, in even even and even in this so-called waking state, is I. I have to admit, yeah, it's a lot of it is due to a chemical soup. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make it any more interesting, but it, it's it's also uh, basically there's a lot of brain chemistry going on in terms of what my perception is. I mean, my, sorry, a lot of what my perception is based on is based on brain chemistry and what's going on in there. Right. I mean, I've got a neighbor there who talks to himself all day and screams out loud. Right. Well. It, and I and I'm pretty sure that has a lot to do with brain chemistry, mm-hmm. right? He seems to be in some sort of parallel continuum because he's having these conversations, which is again another fascinating subject. But you watch people like that, and you go realize, well, they they, they seem to be in another parallel continuum. I mean, and I'm I'm assu- and to me it seems like it's always it has something to do with brain chemistry, but. It begs the question: What's what's going on in that parallel continuum, and what's the difference between that and this one? Yeah, I mean, the mental health aspect of it is uh, is another thing to ponder. Heck, just switching between CNN and Fox News is like watching a par- two parallel continuums operating. So, I mean, there's even that layer. But I'll just speak about the people who are talking to themselves out loud on the. Sh- <laughs> yeah, it's it's sad because they're, they're trapped somewhere. Yeah, they're trapped somewhere, and it's some sort of and then that that mechanism that tells and we all the thing is we all do this, we all are we all are in our heads, we all have our imaginations and these mental movies we play out in our minds, right? And we daydream. Mm. We just all most of us have the mechanism to pull out of it, or there's that barrier that that doesn't allow us to get fully sucked into it. Mm-hmm. To the point where we think it's real, mm-hmm. or, or at least to the point where it's um, completely. <laughs> I, think, I don't know if you could. I don't know if this recorder could pick him up, but there goes my neighbor, right? 
there's, you could just tell in that person like that that the, they don't have that barrier to differentiate between that world that they're imagining and this one. Right. Yeah. Which is like, I think it's like fucking fascinating. It is, and it's deeply sad that people experience that because... Yeah. I mean, it's sad in terms of... If they can't function, I think it's sad, but... Um, but there's so... I think there's something there that we haven't really figured out. Right, but there's just the... The impossibility of living a quote-unquote normal life because you're trapped in another yeah. way of thinking. Or whatever the, the limitations are there. But I do think that there's something that we don't really understand. And it might not exactly... 100% might be... A, um, um, it might, I don't know, like, like I said, I'm speaking out loud here, but that could be something that's a function that we just don't know about yet. Mm -hmm. We don't realize what the nature of it is. Because it's only in the Western culture where we start labeling these things as, as a problem. Because in many other cultures out there, especially indigenous, a lot of indigenous and, uh, and uh, tribal societies kind of look, I look at it a completely different way. They definitely do. Yeah. You look at the idea of something as simple as a dream catcher. Yeah. Um, but I'm just like, like people just like yeah like people like that they may believe they're they're in contact with spirits or some sort of parallel continuum or something who knows have you ever experienced vivid dreaming I've never I don't think I've ever been able to elicit a vivid you know, sorry you say a vivid sorry, or lucid? sorry I meant lucid I meant lucid no I tried that I don't think maybe I think once I think once recently I was able to actually realize I was dreaming I think maybe once mm -hmm. in a far brief moment. I have a couple of times. It's very disorientating. <laughs> it's probably I really. I think it'll be cool. It's disorientating because it's it's weird to be conscious of the fact that you're unconscious, mm -hmm. and then to sort of go, I want to get out of this now. Because as soon as I as soon as I watch, as soon as I'm in the movie, I'm no longer watching. I. But maybe it was just a freaky experience to you because it's just so alien and new. I actually don't like it. You don't? I don't like it. I think it's probably a part of you that doesn't like it. Because if I think if it just reconciled that, then it'd be like, well, what can I do in this? Can I fly? Maybe. But Explore. It doesn't appeal to me in that regard. <laughs> it's just kind of, it's just... No, I'm just, I go through it and I'm just like, yeah, no, this this is not for me. Do you wake yourself up consciously at that point? Yes. I haven't done it much. But the times I have, I have. This is by accident? Yeah. Okay, so this is not something you kind of try to force or coax out? In terms of the action of dreaming lucidly? Yeah, no, I have not tried to force that. Yeah, because you know there's all these techniques and things you can do. Right, which again, I, I find to be fascinating. The idea that you can tap into a certain area of your subconscious to be able to control such things. Yeah, that's it. It's surreal. It, it beggars belief. I mean... Have you um, have you ever had continuity between dreams? Maybe, I don't remember. But I tell you this one: the thing is about dreams that I hang on to is that it, it's also been a great inspiration for source material. Because mm. some things can come out of it that it's like, oh, that's going to be a, that'll be a great. Yeah, I find, I find my girlfriend's dreams to be more source material than my own. <laughs> yeah, because mine are. Mine are, by and large, unspectacular. Yeah, right. 
mine has can have that quality where it's like I come out of it and that's a good idea. I'm gonna write that down. And I've had a few. I have a few things down from that. Um, it's kind of a mixed bag. But what was the, what was the question? Continuity. Continuity. No, it's not. It's not a common thing for me. Because yeah, that's another fascinating one. The fact that you can go from one dream and then wake up, and then the next dream you continue in the same dream, in the same path, in the same world. I'm not saying that it had never has never happened, but. It's just not. I mean, I don't even dream. I don't even dream a whole lot. But I think that might be too. That has to do with my maybe because of my sleep situation. Mm-hmm. But when I do, there's not a whole lot of continuity. It just seems to be a lot of like strange scenarios mm-hmm. or interesting scenarios. Well, getting back to the eternal sleep, yeah, uh, the story basically revolves around a neuroscientist in New York trying to find out whether if we die in our dreams do we continue living afterwards in the dream world now are you still playing with that script or is this this is something that's still molding i don't believe so i mean it's quite long at the moment it's about 210 pages so i might trim it but um by and large it seems to be done right um and i'm happy with it And I'm looking forward to when we start filming it because there are so many elements that I think it would or could evoke a lot of interesting conversation. Right. Hmm. Well, the length that you'll have to have, you said 210 pages. That'll make about... That's like a four-hour movie. Four-hour plus. Yeah, it'd be a long film. It'll be a pretty long film. Or maybe, <laughs> or maybe we'll divide it into two parts. We could see what Trim we it do. Down, with maybe, it. Maybe. We could see what we do with it. But the other thing that I think is uh, really important when writing, and I've always encouraged to you, is to get a playlist, like to get the right music to go with it. All right. So I do find that music plays can could be a catalyst when it comes to that kind of thing of getting a writing rhythm completely so what we're going to include in the show notes here is i'm going to include the playlist that was actually used to create the eternal sleep so whatever you happen to see in the film if this is something that interests you was written while listening to this playlist over again and again and again and again and again and again (laughs) I'm actually, actually, it's funny, because I'm writing something now while listening to The Wall. Oh, really? Yeah. But it it was, it started the other way around. I was just like, I, I was, I haven't heard that. I think I, I never listened to the whole album before. So I was just like, yeah, I never listened to the whole album before. And I just started listening to it. And then it just inspired me to write. And then now just writing, just writing under the influence of The Wall. I think um, when you write, there are so many different things that can influence you, but the tone of the right song or whatnot can just take you one way or another. Yeah. If it impacts you emotionally, be it anger, tranquility, uh, passion, anything like that, you happen to just really get into that particular song. Same applies to if you've had caffeine or not, if you've had a drink or not. Everything influences the writing. Yeah, I'm finding that. Your, the mood. Your mood. 
Precisely. But also, uh, the other thing, uh, for me, is setting. What do you mean? Um, I just feel like it's, I can just write better in certain places more than others. Like, there's just coffee shops that I just cannot write in. And then there's places, and there's other coffee shops that I can. Sometimes, uh, writing at home in my room is a hit or miss. Mm -hmm. There just seems to be more, there's, for me, like I said, there's places that, that are just more inspiring. Or just trigger that right that that mechanism to me than other places. I can't write in a coffee shop. No, I, I can't I, write in a coffee shop. I can't write in a library. I I can only really write either in my car or um, in your car. In home, yeah. <laughs> so you need to be in like an. You need to be like in your own. I need to be alone. Like you need to be in like some sort of like bunker, <laughs> like no external. Yeah, because the thing is, is it's too easy to be distracted. It's too easy to be distracted, but also, I, for me, I just find, like, the environment stimulating. And I don't want that. I want I want only to operate in my head. Yeah. And that's why the music can aid that, and the material aids that. But once I have something like a coffee shop, and I've got people talking, I've got chiming right. of dishes, and all these other things, it's like, look over there, look over, look over there, and there, and there, and there. Yeah. And it's sort of, I'm no longer only in the world of the writing. I'm now in this world where, oh, I, oh that's an interesting shirt. I wonder what that book's about. Oh, wait, what are they talking about over there? And it just takes me away from what I need to do, and what I need to do is come up with something. I get, yeah, I get, I get where you're coming from. Um... For me, it's not too distracting because I usually put on my headphones and then put on some music. And then I just write and burst. And then also just even what's going on can just stimulate me. Because like, oh, somebody will say something and I, oh, I can put that in the story. Or I'll hear something, you know, maybe the chiming of, of a dish or something. Or now we're just, for some reason, that, can, that ends up on the script. It, to me, it's just like, I guess it's just for personally for me, it's like an energy field that I, that kind of inspires me more in those environments, but it doesn't work everywhere. I probably couldn't write at a Starbucks or something like that. <laughs> Ebola. For those of you that don't know, barely can drink there even. <laughs> he is a coffee snob, uh, very much a hipster. Drink your local produced specialty coffee shop coffee. Get your rewards points at Starbucks. <laughs> Remember, drink the real stuff. It's real. It's not fake coffee. <laughs> and I think it's it was locally owned once upon a time in once, Seattle. Once upon a time, for about, about probably about a month. Yeah, all your locally owned coffee shops, if they can, <laughs> will end up being multinationals. <laughs> but when they're not, drink from there. Yeah, sometimes. All right. So that was. Uh, a few words on the broken English film, The Eternal Sleep. Keep your eyes open for that. Any feedback on dreams or anything along those lines, let us know. And if not, just keep your eyes open for the film. You will love it. Or not. It's your choice, really. Right. Or you'll dream about it, too. There you go. <laughs> okay, guys. Have a nice night. Until next time. Hasta luego. <laughs>